morning. Good morning. He is risen. Amen. Welcome online church family. We're so glad you're able to join us today and all of those of you who are on campus and hello to the balcony, balcony people. Um, thankful that each one of you are able to be here today. Grateful for uh, the opportunity to share with you. And uh, we're asking that God would, would get all of our attention, our focus today, and all the honor and the glory. Uh, he is the reason that we're alive. Our series in Easter has come out of uh, John chapter 14. The main text has been uh, verse 6. If you have your Bibles with you or your Bible app and you want to turn there in a moment, we'll stand and read the section that we're focusing on today uh, out of uh, John chapter 14. I was thinking this past week uh, about um, our gathering today, and Michelle and I have really been praying over this and asking God to, to minister. And one of the things we've been praying is that God would arrest every disruptive spirit that would try to, to focus our attention on other than what God wants to speak into our hearts. So I want you to know that the Holy Spirit is here today to speak to you personally. He loves you. It's one thing for us to understand that God loves the whole world, right? And then we look in the mirror and wonder if it's us that is a part of that whole world. But I want you to know today that Jesus loves you and has a personal word for you that he wants to speak into your life. If you found your place there out of John chapter 14, and those of you who are online, you want to stand where you're at, we'll stand here in the auditorium for the reading of God's word. Uh, John chapter 14, beginning at verse 1. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way. To where I am going. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus told him, and let's read this together I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Heavenly Father, again, we ask that you would arrest every enemy work that is attempted, every spiritual battle uh, that is raging against the people you love and care for that have gathered today in your name, that you would focus our attention on you, that our ears would be attentive to hear what you're saying to us, calling us to deeper relationship, calling us and telling us that we have no need to fear or worry. You are the way, you are the truth, and you are the life. God, bring that to life for us today. Let your word speak alive in us and through us and to us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. amen. God bless you as you're seated. Martin Luther called um, John chapter 14 the best and most comforting sermon preached by Christ while he was here on earth. He called it a jewel and a treasure not purchasable with world goods. John starts uh, the chapter with a problem, and then he proceeds to offer the solution. Now, this uh, past uh, Tuesday talk, 
Uh, Amanda and I do Tuesday talk uh, every Tuesday at 9.30, live here from uh, on campus. And we talk about some of the, the issues and this particular uh, last set of them, we've been talking about Bible study and kind of how to get context, how to get the context for what is being said. And so as this chapter begins, and, and Jesus is set, saying, let not your heart be troubled, one of the things that that would tell the reader and the studier of God's word is, there, there must have been some trouble, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, if Jesus is saying right now, let not your heart be troubled, obviously there's cares and things that are going on in life, but this is not a prophetic, predictable moment, you know, where it's like, oh, you know, for, for Thomas, there's trouble. Uh, the rest of you guys are probably doing okay, so Thomas, don't let your heart be troubled. This was a, a, a uh, to all of the disciples he's speaking to right now, let not your heart be troubled, and, and even into the time in which you and I live. So as, as a good uh, one who studies the Word of God, we want to go back then and find out why, why are they troubled. What's going on? What, so we want to go back to chapter 13 and kind of take a look at, at the, the, the trouble. And there's some real trouble here. There's, there's a problem in their hour, in their moment, that is recorded in the previous chapter in chapter 13. So I just kind of want to walk through that with you to begin with as we set the context for what we've been looking at here where Jesus is speaking to them and begins by saying, don't, don't let your hearts be troubled. It's quite troubling chapter as you begin to read it. It opens with these words at the very beginning, chapter 13, verses, uh, beginning at verse 1, verse 1 and 2. I want to read it to you. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave the world and return to his father. So that's troubling. He's, he's, he's about to be crucified. He knows and he's, he's ready for that. It says, he had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the end. It says in verse 2 there, it was the time of supper and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. That's troubling. <laughs> That's troubling. The devil was already at work. Uh, Jesus had 12 disciples and one of them has already been having meetings with the devil, right? That's, that's pretty troubling. Uh, the next verse, uh, the next few verses there capture a story that uh, many of you are familiar with. It's where Jesus washes the disciples' feet. And uh, in, in, in a moment of embarrassment, really personal embarrassment, uh, Peter says, you're not washing my feet. You know, pride rose up in him. You know, uh, I'll, you know, only, you know, you're not, you don't wash my feet because he, he was he was too proud uh, to to have Jesus serve him. Now, he later you know, receives it and allows Jesus um, to wash his, his feet and, and says to him, not only my feet, but, but you know, I want, I want a part in your kingdom. And, uh, you know, he, he repents of that. But there's a moment of, of embarrassment there for Peter and a, and a picture of pride in the disciples just leaps out all of a sudden. Have you ever been in a situation where somebody has kind of embarrassed themselves publicly in the group? And it's just, uh, everybody's just, is that troubling? <laughs> That's troubling, isn't it? So you're just kind of looking for, please, somebody text me, uh, somebody call me, let there be an emergency on the horizon so I can get out of here, you know, exit stage right, how can I leave? And I'm sure that was going on with all the disciples in that moment, you know. Thankfully, Peter recanted a little bit and, and came back. So that, that was troubling. And then Jesus, um, you know, predicts uh, to disciples sitting with him who, who is going to betray him next. Uh, that's troubling. Uh, Jesus responded 
It is the one with whom I give the bread I dip in the bowl. And when he had dipped it, he gave it to Judas, son of Simon Iscariot. And when Judas had eaten the bread, Satan entered into him. Then Jesus told him, hurry and do what you're going to do. Now, now that's very troubling. Right? <laughs> that's pretty depressing, you know. Um, you've been walking with a brother, and, uh, you know, I know they'd probably had some really good times. You know, Judas had, had had some bad times. He was the carrier, the treasurer of the group, and he had had some, some moments of, of embarrassment for himself personally. But these guys had to, you know, they're together for three and a half years here, and they, uh, they had to have some good times and, and jokes and, and you know, uh, moments of, 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 of just really, you know, enjoying each other's company. And here they were watching Satan enter the heart of a brother. That's, that's very troubling. And that's not all. Uh, next, Jesus reveals that he's going to the cross to die, and, and his disciples can't understand it. They're really, they don't understand what's going on, just like uh, Thomas said in this passage, I don't know where you're going, you know, and how can I know the way? And uh, that was going on here in chapter 13, too, as Jesus declares that he's, he's going to die for them. And, and so Peter broadcasts really his personal uh, feelings about this, but it really was, I think, the whole of the disciples felt this way too, where they thought, uh, how, what happens when you, when you think you know who you are, but then it was revealed to you in truth really who you are when you get a good look in the mirror, and that's, that's unfortunate, <laughs> and Jesus was the mirror. And so Peter uh, or, uh, says this, he says, but why can't I come now, Lord? He asked, I'm ready to die for you. And then Jesus turns the light on and he can see in the mirror. And Jesus answered, die for me? I tell you the truth, Peter, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times that, that you even know me. That is troubling. <laughs> Betrayal, denial, death, Satan entering the heart of a disciple of Jesus. Wow, that's... Troubling news. That's, that's really, they had to be pretty low when Jesus spoke to them in the opening verse of chapter 14. Let not your hearts be troubled. <laughs> All right, hold on, Jesus. Uh, you just gave us some really troubling news. And, and now you're saying, don't let your hearts be troubled? I mean, you, you really just laid it on us right now. You know, we, you revealed us to us. And uh, we just saw the, the, our, our own depravity and our need for a Savior. And, and worse than that, now you're telling us you're leaving us the Savior. We, we learned that we need a Savior, and now the Savior's abandoning us. He's going away. But Jesus goes on to remind them of the promise as we read these opening passages. The promise of heaven, the promise of being with the Heavenly Father, and not only that, that, Jesus tells them he is the way, the truth, and the life. That's how they're going to get to where he wants to bring them. In the prior weeks that we have talked through these verses, uh, we, we began with the declaration that Jesus says he was the way. And we, we learned from that that not just uh, Jesus was not just another religious journey seeking God, that it wasn't a blend of religions and Christianity is lumped in there with all the rest of them. And, and uh, all you got to do is just kind of want to get to God and 
take your own path, but you're going to get there because God wants you to get there. But Jesus said, I am the way. You want to know why Christianity is so hated among those who who are are so uh, passionate for other religions? It's because Christianity says, this is it. Yours is not. Jesus said, I am the way. And it's not that we are saying that in any way with pride, because we are not the way, and we don't know the way. We are humbled, and we, are, uh, we, we invite the Lordship of Jesus. He is the way. Yes, amen. And so we learned in our, our time looking at Jesus is the way. The way is, uh, is Jesus, and He is the way to the very throne room of God. He's the way to, the, to becoming a member of the family of God. He's the way into eternal life. And then last week, we unpacked the power of the declaration where Jesus said, I am the truth. And we discovered that truth is not... Uh, Jesus was saying he's the truth, not not as as relevant, uh, depending upon your circumstances, not as a a matter of discussion and argument, not as a collection of facts and data, but that Jesus is the truth personified. He's the rhema word of God, alive, clothed in flesh. He is the word, uh, living out and empowered to do what he says. It is not uh, your truth and my truth and his truth. It is the truth. Jesus Christ declared himself to be. And we ended by saying that Jesus Christ is the ultimate fact checker. You can ignore Snopes, just go to Jesus. (laughs) If you want to know if something is true, he is the truth. And now we have to deal with the last aspect of this, I am the life. Jesus beginning by saying, do not be troubled. I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I am the life. In all of our daily lives, we, 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 we have struggles, sorrows, grief, life-altering events throughout our life, things that happen that shake us to the very core. And we have learned in our lives at times how to use distractions to keep us from falling into deep depression. And some are here today and here online, and you're practicing this very thing. Some will turn to addictions that provide short-term relief to try to escape the sorrows and the difficulties and the challenges. Because life can be very, very hard. It can be very challenging. Some will grow bitter and will grow angry, and they'll lose hope. They shake their fist at God and blame Him for the circumstances of their life and what's going on, what they didn't get and what they did get. After chapter 13, the disciples must have been very, very discouraged. Almost to the point of hope is abandoning us. Jesus is leaving. Betrayal, denial, Satan active in the hearts of the committed disciples. This is troubling news and it's what you and I see right now in our world in community around us and sometimes in our own lives we see these things going on add to that that jesus discussing leaving them abandoning them uh, and it's they're trying to piece it together he said he'd be with us always and now he's saying uh see you later checking out and some have in this room some online have felt that jesus has checked out of your life at some point big crisis came difficulties a loss of someone you loved and cared for, Jesus checked out. Divorce, Jesus checked out. He's no longer there. They were deeply troubled. 
John in his gospel, or uh, in, in, his, in, in 1 John chapter 5, verse 20, he, he wrote this. He said, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true, and we are in Him who is true, in His Son Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. What is life about? It is in Christ that we learn that life is not about us, that the world is not revolving around us, but there is something bigger and more important to our existence on the planet right now and what life is really all about and how to have life and really live it to its fullest. John also writes in his gospel, in John chapter 5, verse 26, For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also life in himself. God manifests life in several ways. First of all, God exists or possesses life. Hebrews 11 and 6 tells us this, For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists, and that he rewards those who seek him. In Jeremiah chapter 10, verses 10 and 11, we read, But the Lord is the true God, the living God, the everlasting King, which tells us God's life contrasts with other gods. It, it pales in comparison. God is God, and these other gods are idols. They have no power to do anything. Only God. Paul confirms that again, writing to the Thessalonians. He says, uh, talks about them that they have turned to God from their idols, serving the living and the true God. I want to pause for just a moment on this. I believe this is happening in our world right now. I believe that people have come through this the most difficult years in, in our generation, in our time through what has happened in the pandemic, through the uprise uh, that, is, that is taking place in our nation and, and the, the divides that are taking place. And, and people are beginning to realize and they're wanting to come back to their faith and their longing and their desire is they're looking for the living God. Yes. Amen. Amen? They, have, they have been engaged in things that are idolatry and not even recognizing that they were involved in, in idolatry. They put things before God. I had a conversation um, this past week with, with a, a, um, a woman who I knew in, uh, when she was younger. She was 18, 19 when I first met her and was attending our church at that time and coming regularly to services. And, and uh, for every indication, she had surrendered and given her life to Jesus Christ. But life got hard and different things happened over the course of her life. And I could tell she was reaching out just like this. She was, she was hungry, and she was reaching out. She had reconnected with uh, me on, on social media and found us, and so glad to see you. Actually, she, she tuned in and saw Tuesday talk, and that's what started the conversation. And, and so she was, she was talking uh, back and forth. We had these, these texts uh, going back and forth. And, and uh, you know, really, on, uh, I have to be honest, like, it, there, was, there was nothing that she was offering but excuses, you know, uh, I went to a church, and, and, I, and I was sitting there, and it was a church that uh, we're familiar with and, and one that was in her past. And, and uh, she said, when at the end of service, the pastor was just sitting there counting the offering. I go, no, I'm not going to take part in that. Now, I know the pastor was not sitting there counting the offering at the end of the service. 
But what did the enemy show her? Yeah. So, so I know this church and what, what happened at that point in their life was as people were exiting, they had an offering plate sitting uh, at, at the exit door. And uh, people would, would walk by and drop off offering. And the pastor would be there sometimes shaking hands with people as they're leaving. What did she see? The pastor wants money, right? Listen, listen to me. The enemy is doing everything he can to get you to put God last and some other idol first. And as I pleaded with her to go back and to, to go to some of the places that she was familiar with and to engage with people, there became excuse after excuse after excuse. Never mind, you know, because now it's too expensive to live here where she's living. I'm going to move back to Arkansas. I'll probably get in a church over there. You know, I, I wouldn't take wagers as to how that's going to happen, but I'm going to pray that God breaks the blindness of her eyes and that she returns as a prodigal to God's house. We have placed idols out, but I believe right now our nation is hungry, the world is hungry, and they're looking for the living God. Amen? The third thing is that God's existence is not derived from any other source in contrast to our lives being dependent upon Him. John tells us in John 5 and 26, the Father has life in Himself. Luke writes out of Acts concerning how God is not served by human hands as though He needed anything since He Himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. You want to know what it means to be the life? Jesus is life. There is only death outside of him. The fourth thing is that God gives life. Paul, Paul tells the Romans that God gives life to the dead in Romans chapter 4, verse 17, and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Who has the power to move a mountain? We sang about it this morning. God does. Who has the power to raise up the sick? Man, we've seen some miraculous things take place. I was carrying Emmy with me yesterday, and I, I took her over to a, a new uh, young lady who had come, and uh, I was meeting her and got introduced to her, and I was, we were having a conversation. I brought Emmy over, and I said, this is a miracle. Yeah. This baby's a miracle. Just in her early days of life, they took her to emergency. There was, she was unable to eat. She was unable to process food. And uh, the doctors had given a, a horrible prognosis as to what this would look like going forward. But we prayed. <laughs> and I held that baby in my arms, and I could not pray except in the Spirit. And we prayed over that baby as a church family, and, and nationwide and worldwide, people that know us were calling out and praying for that baby and asking Jesus. And while I was holding that baby, I felt her stomach begin to churn and the beginnings of the digestive system begin to, to work in that child. Amen. And just a couple of days later, we we're leaving the hospital and going out of there. Praise God. He gives life. First Timothy says, I charge you. Uh, he was, uh, Paul speaking to Timothy says, I charge you in the presence of God who gives life. To all things. When our hearts are troubled, our affections and our thinking storm in our souls. 
and uh, we are we are like a troubled sea, if you will. We we are thinking um, that things are impossible, that things are difficult, and and we can't overcome what's going on in our lives. And Jesus, in that moment, is is beckoning us to come to life, calling to us to come into His presence, into personal relationship, not into religious activity. Not into to, to weekly, um, you know, uh, kind of, of, of activities that are religious-minded, but to a personal relationship that will drive our faith. I read God's Word not because it is, is, it is a, a ritualistic religious practice, but because it is life and sustenance to me. I pray because there is no other God who answers. <laughs> It is only our God that I can cry out to and pray, and He hears and answers prayer. Amen? Amen. Most importantly for us today who are present, to find hope in, in these realities of Jesus being the life, you must come to Christ. He came to earth for you, and He's inviting you to come to Him to a personal, surrendered relationship with Him. To take every idol that you have propped up in your life that is before God, whether it is an idol of sport, or an, 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 an idol uh, of, of recreation, or an idol of calendar of some kind that, that you know, we'll just pencil God in when we have time for Him, or, or a, 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 a purpose of, of other relationships that are uh, more important than the relationship that we have with God. He's inviting you to set aside those things that are idols. Years ago, David Wilkerson said, you don't believe that... Um, the television is, the, is, is an idol. He said, just look at how all the furniture bows to it. <laughs> we have idols. They may not be carved out of uh, silver, out of wood, out of stone, but we have idols in our life that have been set up. Some of them, uh, you know, and, and, and uh, Michael talked about this a moment ago, I think, Many times in Christianity, you know, one of the great battles is for the wallet, you know. It's like because that's, that's an idol. We, we want to take care of, of finance. We want to do what we want to do with what we have, right? And it is a place of surrendering to God and saying, all of me and everything that I have belongs to you. And one of the beautiful things about, um, you know, our giving to the Lord in terms of our offering is because when you pull out, you know, uh, that $20 bill, that $50 bill, that $100 bill, it is not just paper to God. You were compensated by your employer for your time that you will never get back. It's taken from you. Your blood, sweat, and tears at work, whatever it was, even if you're home officing, right? Cut yourself on a, on a, uh, you know, on a piece of paper or whatever it might be. Even if you're working from home, that time you will never get back. It belonged to your employer, and they're compensating you for it. Some say, not quite enough. Okay, well, <laughs> I don't think there's ever enough for our time, right? There's never enough. You could pay a million dollars a minute and it still isn't enough. Your minute is gone. You don't get it back. You don't get that minute to hug your child, to love your family, to do what you want to do in that moment. But your employer compensates you for it. And so when we take that money and offer it to God, it's more to him than a piece of paper. It, it represents a piece of our life. And God receives it. And he says, I received this. 
a piece of your life that you're saying, thank you, God, for giving me a place to provide for my family and to take care of us. Christ is waiting for us to come to him, to surrender, to lay down our lives before him. And he is the way, the truth, and the life. What are we bringing to him? Would we, would we seek to find a way? He is the way. Would we seek some truth on uh, what you can depend and trust? How many times have we been lied to? You know, we've, we've, you know that we've heard, like when I was a kid, you know, uh, everything gave you cancer. You know, and I just, I figured out finally that it was the mice just had cancer, you know. <laughs> they were destined to die. Um, you know, and, and years later you find out, you know, coffee's no good for you, you know. And, 20 years later, everybody should have a cup of coffee in the morning and, you know, start your day. It's, we're lied to constantly. A collection of facts that oh, there is only one truth. And Jesus is telling us the truth. Yes, he is. Yes. Finally, you know, would we seek some strength or, or self-purpose and meaning in life outside of life in Christ? There is none. I think that's why churches are packing out in the last months here. People are, are just sick of what's going on in our world. And they're saying there's got to be something real. And I'm going back to the roots of my faith. I'm coming home as a prodigal and I'm going to find my way back to the one that I knew when I was a child was real. When we gathered together and focused on him, I felt his presence. I knew he loved me and cared for me. And Father, I'm coming home today. And he's inviting us to. I'm inviting our worship team to come back. In a moment, we're going to receive communion together. We're, I'm standing in the presence of, of some people that are deeply troubled online, on campus, for things that are going on around your world, in your life personally. And Jesus is inviting you to a personal relationship with him. For some, it is the prodigal returning back home, you know, and uh, for others, it is like, man, I've just received enough information that I know I need to surrender my life to Jesus Christ. I really hadn't heard the gospel before uh, in a way that I could understand it. And so today, I want to submit my life and let him be the Lord and the leader over my life. And so wherever you are today, God is here to meet you. It's a, and he's already invited you by coming, and now it's a matter of you inviting him in, right? That's the step for us, is the surrender to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Either he is Lord of all, or he is not Lord at all. And that's the struggle, right? That's where this young lady that I was talking about earlier is having a struggle. She believes that he is Lord, but she's not ready to let him be Lord of all of her life. And as a result of that, there's a struggle. There's an excuse. There's always a reason not to press in and get deeper with the Lord. I want to ask, before I have you stand, just right where you're sitting, uh, if any of you do not have the elements for communion, because uh, Jake's team has some, they're passing them out. So if you would just slip your hand up, we'll make sure that you get, get one because we're going to receive it together. We're going to come to the Lord's table together in just a moment.
Anyone else, just slip your hand up and we'll get you, we'll get you taken care of today. There's some over here on uh, underneath. Anyone else? Everybody's good. Now I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. He is the life. I don't want any other life than Jesus. If I felt like that I could make a difference in politics in some way and that was the way to go to change America, you know, I would have done that. I entered this calling in this career field because I know this is the only path that brings change and difference. The surrendering making Jesus Lord of everything. You may be a conservative, you may be a liberal, it doesn't matter. There is one way. And it isn't the politics being practiced. It is Jesus Christ. There is one truth. There is one life. Before we receive communion today, we want to take an opportunity to surrender to the Lord and to the Lordship of Jesus Christ over our lives. Those of you who are online and those of you who are on campus, would you repeat this prayer after me? Lord Jesus, I come to you just as I am. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I believe you died for me, and I believe you rose again, and I want to live for you all the days of my life. Be the Lord and the leader of my life, in Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer today and you're a prodigal that's come home, that you felt like that was just a renewed commitment. Like I, I did it when I was maybe younger or I did it years ago and some way, somehow I drifted away and I made that commitment again today as a prodigal. I've come home, I'm, I'm here. I want the, the Lord to be leader of my life. I want you to slip your hand up if you're here in the congregation. Anybody? Yes, praise God, welcome home. Amen, amen. Online too. Just tag us online, let us know. Anyone else? I'm a prodigal, I've come home today. Thank you, Jesus. Are you here today, and this was the first time you have really committed your life to Jesus, and you're saying, I welcome Jesus to be the Lord and the leader of my life. I hadn't done that before. I was examining, you know, faiths and things that were going on, but today I made a commitment to Jesus Christ. Would you slip your hand up wherever you are? And praise God. Amen. And online, welcome home. Welcome home. Amen. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Hang on just a second. The top part there, which represents the, the body of the Lord Jesus. On the night that he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread. And he gave thanks. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Receive that which represents the body of the Lord.
In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with blood, my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat of this bread and you drink of this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again and he will receive us and take us home. Let's worship him in song.